0: Here this morning. I know, uh, Many of you have supported us, both financially and with prayer, and we appreciate that. I I hope you know that. Um, And we ask that you continue to to pray for our our young church plant as we continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel and as we continue to put roots down in this community. Uh, I'll I'll say this, that after all this time, being back in this building is is quite nostalgic. Um, You know, the, the first sermon I ever preached, as an ordained minister, was, was right here in this, this pulpit. Uh, all three of my, my children who are sitting out there were baptized while, while we were here. Uh, you know, I, I think of all these memories. I was remembering, I saw Martha Haney in their first service, and, and just remembering that every year we'd go caroling around Christmas time, and uh, we'd walk across the pond, and she'd get so mad that we'd walk on that ice, and, and, and she'd yell at me. I mean, this is one of those, those memories, and... <laughs> I'd explained to her, Martha, it's a foot deep. Like, you can't drown in a foot of, of ice right here. Uh, you know, and uh, sure enough, the following Monday. Is my mic not on? No. Sorry, they're waving at me over there. Now I'm on? No. Now I'm on. That's much louder. That's easier. So anyway, Monday morning, I'd go and in my mailbox would be these articles that she'd clipped out of a newspaper somewhere about all these people drowning <laughs> <clears throat> in ponds. And, and, you know, these are these, these memories, you know. This is the, the first place I ever hacked into someone's Facebook and made an obnoxious kind of comment. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I mentioned that. They're all wonderful memories, Nostalgia. Uh, But that's not the reason we're gathered this morning. That's not the the purpose you've come here. That's not the purpose I've come here for. We've come here to worship the living God. The God who has set us free from our sin, who has uh, enabled us that we might joyfully meet together and sing his praises. And so uh, we're going to do that. And part of that in the worship service is that we hear from God in his word. And and that's what we're going to do. So if you've got your Bible, I ask that you open up to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 10 of the Gospel of Luke. Our passage this morning is just after the well-known parable uh, of the Good Samaritan. The story of a uh, a virtuous man who goes out of his way to provide for the physical needs of an injured man. An injured man who is supposed to be uh, his enemy. And then immediately after our passage is the Lord's Prayer. You're familiar with it. We, We said it together in unison this morning. You say it every week together. And then between those two passages is this, this well-known passage that we find the story, where we find the story of, of Martha and Mary and the visit that they received from the Son of God. Uh, so let's read it, and uh, afterwards we'll, we'll pray, and we'll see how God might change us from His, his Word today. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, you are so patient. You're so kind, and and you give us wisdom in your word. Would you give us faith to believe these wise words today? And would you change us in the way that only you can change us? We we want to understand what your words meant for Mary and for Martha, but we also want to know what this says to our busy lives today, much of which seems very necessary for life to function with order and for us to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. God, break down our walls of defense so that we might be conquered by the wisdom of your holy word this morning. Yes, Lord, humble our hearts and enlighten our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is one of those stories in the scriptures that can confuse us. Because we read it and we kind of want to know who's, who's right. Is it Mary? Is it Martha? You know, is it, is it Mary for sitting at the feet of Jesus? Or, or Martha for serving the needs of those who had needs in her home? I mean, we, we see Jesus' answer here, but... But don't you kind of want to come to Martha's defense to defend her here? Uh, you know, Martha's trying to, to take care of these guests. And, and maybe we look at this and we think, you know, Mary's kind of being lazy just sitting there. Mar- Martha's working hard. It, it almost feels like, like there's this setup or this, this conflict between this, this life of contemplation and this, this life of service to others. And, and, and you know, which, which one's better? Also, it's, it's nearly impossible... To read this without asking yourself, which, which one of these women do I relate to? Am I like Martha? Am I the, the doer, active? Am I the one who's accomplishing things? Am I the one that makes sure things actually get done in this world so that everyone else can hang out? Or, or am I like Mary, who is emotionally sensitive? She's, she's quiet. She's more contemplative. She's, she's listening. I think, too, approach this passage rightly, we, we've got to lay down this desire that we might have to defend whichever woman we, we find we relate to more, more like. You know, really to defend ourselves in humility, be willing to actually listen to the passage and, and learn. And so then, I want us to see that while these women are very different in their temperaments, both Mary and Martha are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They both desire to to honor Christ. They both love Christ. And both of them are loved by Jesus. Both of them. And so it it helps us to know how we got to this moment. And and so you see Jesus and his disciples are are walking and they're on their way to Jerusalem. and, And they come to this village, this town of Bethany. Bethany's two miles outside of, of Jerusalem, doesn't sound like much to you and I with automobiles, but in the day of walking would have been quite a distance. And at some point they, they meet Martha, and she welcomes Jesus, come to my home, you know, which tells us something about her. She is a very hospitable woman, and this is an amazing quality. You, you know, how might you respond if, if Jesus unexpectedly came into your home? You know, would you, would you want to impress him? You know, would you at least rush around and pick up the dirty underwear you left laying out? Uh, you know, would you, would you start cleaning up the floor, pull out some of your best foods? You know, let's impress this guy. And, and, and just so you understand, I, I think sometimes we miss this point with this story, that Jesus is not alone, Right? He's traveling with, with his 12 disciples, so there's at least 12 other people that have come in the house with there, And maybe, that, maybe that'll help you understand, you know. So now you've got 13 people minimum walking into your house. And, and, and so you can see it's a little bit different there. And, and here is Martha wanting to provide for them, to show hospitality, to get them food, to get them what they need. And, and Martha's intentions are good. They are kind and then what do we learn in this text? Martha doesn't live alone. Uh, the passage said she had a sister called Mary. Martha's most likely the older sister because the older sister was, was more likely to be the one to, to handle the hospitality and things of that, that nature. And it seems that uh, as we look at this, Martha's expectation was that they would both get to work and begin to prepare things. We're going we're to do this and care for our, 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 our guest in this way. But Mary... Mary doesn't help, does she? Instead, you'll, you'll see it there in verse 39. Have a look. It tells us Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened. Well, you simply cannot scurry around the kitchen and at the same time calmly sit at the feet of the Lord and listen. So Mary made a choice. She sits with the disciples Resting, listening, learning. That's not Martha's experience, though, is it? I mean, look at verse 40 here. We, we see this, but, but Martha, right? That's one of those words in English that tell us there's this, this big contrast here that's going to be different to draw our attention to that. And, and in this case, it's telling us, but Martha was distracted by much serving. When our, our children were a few years younger, Uh, When we're still here at Redeemer, Beckham came home from Sunday school. One of you uh, probably taught this to him, and uh, he'd learned it in Sunday school here, and and it was a game that he wanted to play, and the game worked like this. I was to hold open the Bible, and then Beckham and Sadie Piper, and I guess Berkeley, she didn't do much but wander around. Um, But we're supposed to hold it up, and when Laura would say, Mary they would all come and they'd they'd sit before me and they'd listen and my job was to read the Bible to them and and then when Mary said Martha they would just run around frantically cleaning things up well really pretending to clean things up you know if they were really cleaning it up we'd still play this game today (laughs) you want to play the game again? the game was great though because it gave us this like, visual illustration and helped us all to really understand that for Martha, the priority was doing things. Let's accomplish things. And you know, the cooking and the cleaning and the providing, her focus was meeting physical needs. And, and while Mary was, was focused on Jesus, that's it, right? And, and so our, our passage tells us, but Martha was distracted with much serving. That word translated distracted, it, it carries this literal meaning of something like dragging. Um, you can imagine that, that's a distraction if you're dragging something with you, it, uh, to drag something around. And, and, and she is. What she's dragging around here is this, this huge expectation of what needs to be done to offer good hospitality. And now I, I, I love here that it says this. It says she's distracted with much serving. Did you catch that? Distracted with much serving. Because I'm fairly certain if you'd asked me to explain the situation, I would have said Martha was focused on serving, not distracted with much serving. I mean, think about that. When, it, when a student's in a classroom and, and they're supposed to be listening to the teacher or the professor, uh, and, and instead they're reading this poster that's kind of just hanging on the wall back, back behind the teacher... You might say they were distracted by reading. And, and, and really, the reading's a good thing, right? Uh, whoever hung the poster up hung it there in the hopes that these students would read the poster. That was what it was intended for, just not at this moment. And, and so, to be reading the poster at that moment is, is to take a good thing and make it into a distraction. Martha truly believes that the priority of the moment was serving. And so while serving, she, she finds herself looking around, wondering, why am I the only one here? Where is everyone else? You, you, ever, you ever do that? You know, how am I the only one right now serving? You know, at, at Thanksgiving, have you done this? There's always someone in every family that does this. Uh, everyone gets together from these extended families, and you're working, you're preparing this big meal, and and, and, and eventually you look around and you realize there's somebody doing nothing who plans to eat later. I mean, that's kind of our nature, isn't it? Or even here in the, the life of this covenant community, in the life of this church, do you, ever, do you ever think to yourself, you know, why is she never serving in the nursery? You know, why, why is he never teaching Sunday school? He has eight children you know, there's always some reason you expect they, they should be doing it more than you and they're not. Or, you know, we all got together and we're helping them move their stuff today. Where were Jim and Bob? Why would Jim and Bob never show up for this? See, see, life is full of opportunities to evaluate our own level of serving compared to someone else's level of serving. And, and yet we tend to only do so when, when we're sure that we're at the top of that totem pole. Right? Very rarely do I think, man, they serve a lot. And I'm not. So Martha's distracted. Distracted with much serving. And when she sees that, that Mary is focused on much learning, it frustrates her. And, and so she, she takes her concerns to Jesus, right? Uh, she addresses him respectfully. She uses the title Lord. But, but then what's she say? Do you see it there, verse 40? Look for yourself. It, it's an accusation, really. She says, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me here alone? Or left me to serve alone? So so not only is she upset at Mary, she's she's also upset at Jesus. Jesus, you you haven't told her to do what I think she should be doing. And so I just assume you must not care. She's not not the only one to make an accusation like this to Jesus. You remember in, in Mark 4, 38... Uh, The disciples are in the boat and they're crossing the sea and and there's a storm and somehow Jesus falls asleep and and then it tells us that uh, they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It's a common question. Do you you ever find yourself questioning whether God cares about you? Maybe because life doesn't go the way you think it should go? You know, maybe, maybe... Maybe you're saying, God, I've been working so hard for your kingdom and yet I've seen so little fruit. Do you not care about me? Or or, or God, I'm faithful to you. And here my my marriage is falling apart, or here my my spouse is struggling with this this medical situation. God, do you not care about me? Could be anything, right? We find that that question, God, do you do you not care? Too often we so strongly desire to live in a world that affirms, Lord, my will be done, rather than, Lord, your will be done. Let me tell you this. If, If our own will has become the litmus test for whether God cares for us, then we have failed to see the undeniable love of God for his people in the gospel. Because in the gospel, God accomplishes redemption and the forgiveness of our sin for us while asking us to contribute nothing. God cares. So let us be sure that we've heard the scriptures rightly, that we know that that even when Jesus prayed to his own father, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Now in our passage this morning, Martha follows up these accusations with, uh, not so much as a request, but but this command, right? This command. it's, It's like Martha's saying, you know, Jesus, you can still prove that you care, and you can prove it by, by, by doing what I'm asking you to do regarding Martha. And, and we see it there, which is, tell her then to help me. It's as if she's saying, Jesus, you can still fix this. You can still prove you care. She, she wants Jesus to legislate Mary's behavior, and without realizing it, she's asking Jesus to send Mary away from the place uh, the place of rest a place where she is being spiritually nourished a place where she finds herself sitting at the feet of the lord of lord and the king of kings let me ask you this did did any of you kind of hope jesus would send mary to help martha you know the you you really efficient types you know, you, you've kind of thought through this in reason. Like, it's, it's really the more reasonable plans you're suggesting here. Um, the work would go twice as fast. That just makes sense. Or, or, you know, better yet, Jesus, why don't you send some of those disciples to help her? And we can all get this food together really quick, right? Because it makes sense. But that misses the point. This isn't about pragmatism so much as it is about priority. And and, and we as a culture, even as a church, the church, really struggle with putting priority into actual real world practice. And so, how does the Lord respond to Martha in this moment of frustration? You you see it there in the text in front of you. Uh, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Jesus knows she's anxious, and he doesn't just know she's anxious because he's God. Everybody in the room knows she's anxious. It's real obvious. Uh, Jesus says her name twice there, right? Martha, Martha. Uh, He's not stuttering, there's an actual reason for him saying her name twice like that, and in the Scripture there are seven other instances where, uh, where someone is referred to by their name twice just like that. You've got Abraham, Abraham, when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Jacob, Jacob, when Joseph learned that Jacob, his son, was, was not dead as he had long believed but was in fact alive you got Moses, Moses, when God spoke to him from a burning bush. Samuel, Samuel, during the night when, when God calls him to be his prophet. you got Simon, Simon, when, when, when Simon Peter is told that he will betray Jesus three times before the rooster crows. And Saul, Saul, you know that one, Saul, Saul, when Jesus encounters the, the future apostle as he's traveling to Damascus to persecute God's people. And of course, we, we've got Jesus himself speaking this way as he's hanging on the cross and he prays to, to his God, to, to God the Father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the significance in speaking this way in each and every instant, instance is intimacy. There's a deep intimacy there. The same is true in our passage right here. Even in the midst of uh, of this call to a different practice of priority, he's communicating to her, to, to Martha. He's saying, this correction is because I do care. Which answers that previous accusation, Lord, do you not care? Martha, Martha, I do care. And he continues speaking to Martha, saying, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only... One thing is necessary. So, so, what is this one thing that Jesus is talking about? And the truth is, uh, we don't really need a lot as, as God's children. We don't. We, we want things. Even if you think of yourself as, you know, I'm not a materialistic person, you probably are more than you realize. I spend any time, I realize I am, you know, we want technology, we want entertainment, we want cultural experiences, we want cultural experiences for our children, we want diplomas and degrees and, and titles of all sorts and accolades, we, we want nicer homes and clothes and cars, and, and, and deep down we all know that, you know what, we don't really need all this, what we really need at any point is Jesus himself, and we receive him by grace through faith which requires absolutely nothing financially. See, the gospel is the one thing that we need for the sake of eternity. And it's the one thing that cannot be lost by old age. It cannot be lost by flood or fire or war or disease. It it is ours in in times of prosperity. It is ours in times of poverty. Do you ever notice here that Martha's story is an example of the Sower of Seeds parable. In Mark's, Mark four nineteen, we read that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Sometimes we miss that because in this situation, the, the cares of the world for Martha is not greed. And yet here she is, here she is finding that She's been distracted from hearing God's word. In our passage, Jesus then explains to her, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And don't misunderstand this. This is not an encouragement towards laziness. Laziness is not a biblical virtue. And it wouldn't be glorifying to God if you just sat around reading scripture and praying um, in, while, while, while your home and your education and everything else in your life just wasted away. That wouldn't glorify the Lord. However, it does cause us to ask this, this honest question. What am I more concerned about today? You know, am I more concerned about my to-do list and accomplishing things, or am I more concerned about my, my Savior and what He has to say? Would I rather have a spotless clean home or a heart of joy having spent time with God in His Word? And I know that's a simple question, and, and, and how each of us answer it may not be as simple as the question itself, because there, there's still this nagging objection, if you're honest, if you really are honest about this, that this whole situation is just unreasonable. Because, you know it, eventually, eventually the host would need to prepare some food for these guests. But here's what we've got to understand, that you know, now, this moment Now is not the moment for this. It's about not just having right priorities intellectually. I think we we tend to get that down. But actually practicing the priorities that we find ourselves proclaiming. Do you ever find yourself around somebody, um, one of those people that are always moving, always doing something, and and, 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 they just won't stop? Uh, whether it's, it's cleaning, whether it's messing on their phone, whatever it might be, they're just constantly in, in motion and, and, and you just want them to stop for a moment and, and to speak with you. Do you get the feeling that, that your spouse or, or your children or your roommates want, want to say to you? Hey, would, would you just stop? Would you just stop for a moment and sit with me? Just for a moment. See, this, this idea is far reaching in, in how we live, but but in the context here, it's, it's very specific. Jesus is telling Mary, or telling us that Mary chose the good portion. See, a half dozen times in the Psalms, God is referred to as a portion. And every time it's talking about God as a portion who is truly satisfying. There, there's something else implied here. If there is a, a portion then there is also a whole. You know, if I eat a, a portion of a pie, that, that means there is more pie that makes up the entirety of the pie, unless I try to tell you my portion is the entire pie. But what Jesus is saying here is, is yes, things do need to get done. There are other portions, not just this one. Hospitality doesn't happen if we just sit around all day doing nothing. Uh, You know, the the homeless aren't going to get fed dinner if we only attend Bible studies all the time. Our families aren't going to be cared for very well if we decide we're going to forego laundry and meals and just do family devotions all day. But in this moment, there is something more important than busy, something more important than productivity, and, and that's hard for some of us to hear. More important than productivity? Yes. You see, in this situation Martha is anxious and troubled she is bitter at her sister she is upset at Jesus lack of enforcing what she thinks he needs to enforce meanwhile Mary Mary is resting at the feet of Jesus listening and learning in this moment of time Jesus says that that is the good portion so I keep telling you about this idea of of practicing our priority. Practicing our priority. You know, it's like Jesus says in Matthew 6, 32 through 34, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. See, we are more aware of the kingdom of God when we find ourselves resting in Christ than any other way. That, that's why here Jesus corrects Martha, but he doesn't correct Mary, because this, this correction he gives, though, isn't, isn't cruel. He's, he's helping Martha to realign her actions with the values of his kingdom, and, and, and the difficult part of here in a passage like this, if I'm honest, is that it's not universally applicable, right? In every situation, do this. There's a lot of things in Scripture where that's true, but that's not the case here because every situation's a little different. You, you know, if I go outside and I dig my hands into the soil here, it's gonna, it's gonna stick to my hands because that's the way the soil works in Kansas. That's the situation. But if I go down to Arizona and I do the same thing, it's gonna crumble in my hands and it's gonna, gonna blow away because that's the way the, the soil works in, in Arizona or wherever down there. And so we've got to to apply this to our own situation, you know, how to choose what is best for many a number of things that are good in any situation. Because you think about this situation, many hours later, food would be of more importance. But in in this moment, Mary chose the good portion, and Jesus says the good portion will not be taken from her. And it can't be taken from her. Because it's been spiritually and eternally beneficial to her. See, Martha's, Martha was distracted by, by, busy, by being busy with something good in her home. Distracted by, by serving her guest. And, and we too can find ourselves very often distracted by doing what is very good. So you might, you might wonder, you know, why, why choose this passage, right? It's been four years since I've been in a, a worship service. Why, why this passage? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I read this I read this passage last fall while, while Laura and I were away from Manhattan, and, and at the time, it, it, it you know, the, at that time, it occurred to me that the last time I hadn't preached on a Sunday was, was about three months earlier, and uh, in the weeks leading up to that, that time off, that week off, I had found myself feeling, feeling tired, and so I try to be more efficient with my task. I had um, you know, I would get through and think, you know, finish the liturgy and make the bulletins and prepare a sermon and meet with people and, you know, pay, pay the bills and all these different things on a task list and just begin working through them. And, and there was a, a busyness, and, a, and I'm not saying there weren't wonderful things I was learning from from God's Word, but, but I'd learn something and just keep moving. Do you ever find yourself doing that? You know, it's, it's kind of like if you find some wonderful food you love, you know, cream brulee or ice cream or whatever it might be, if you ever find yourself just eating it at such a pace that you haven't even stopped to enjoy it. It's wonderful, and, and yet here you are missing how wonderful it is. I was, I was trying to live at Martha's pace while keeping Mary's priority, and I found you simply can't do that. You can't. But on that week off, I, I wasn't preparing anything, and so I was writing on paper, and I was reading in the, in the Bible, and I would just read a, a passage over and over, and I would, I would notice the nuances in the passage, and I'd ask questions, and I'd follow cross-references, all, all very slowly, and I had no intentions uh, beyond the simple enjoyment of my own soul. So can I ask you something? When was the last time you did that. When was the last time you, you didn't read a devotion or a per- portion of scripture and just just check it off and out the door or off to whatever it was you had to do next? When was the last time you just slowed down like that? I, I want you to do that this week. I know I'm not your normal pastor. I'm not sure I can hand out homework. I did because it's good for your soul. You know, set a a time apart early in the morning or in the the slow part of the afternoon or if you're one of those really weird people that claims they can think well at night, do it at night, weird people. You know, whatever's best. And read and pray and think and be slow and use a paper Bible or at least turn off the notifications on your phone. You know, let me ask you another question. You know, what, what, what distracts you from sitting at the feet of our Lord? Is it housework and cleaning and cooking like we see with Martha here? Is it ministry to, to others constantly? Is it parenting an, an exhausting baby? Is it parenting an exhausting teenager? Men, do you, do you see yourself in this passage? I know sometimes we 're really bad at this man we're like it's two women. What does this have to say to me right that's ridiculous. Yeah, would it be easier if we, if we were like you know Bob was was busy outside cutting wood for the bonfire while, while Jim was just sitting there talking to Jesus? does that help it make sense to you anyway you know what what many things are are distracting you you know has, has your career become too ultimate are, are you busy providing everything your family needs that you failed to just sit and listen to the word of god in the scriptures are, are we are we even just so busy providing good spiritual things for our family that we failed to do that you know family i i take you to church every week check that off and you should you really should but but do you also seek to, to sit at the feet of the lord you know, certainly most of us feel the weight of being busy in life. I- even you students, I know you're on summer vacation right now, but you, you know this. You've got projects and reading and paper and, and tests and work and sports and musical and friends and dating or talking or whatever it is people call it now. I don't know parents, you, you've got difficult sleep schedules or, or you're driving your children around like a, a personal Uber and they never leave a good you know, rating afterwards. You're exhausted. You know, I, I wake up every day with this to-do list on my phone and I love my to-do list. And, and, and I want to just start knocking things off that because it kind of gives me this like ding of endorphin to my head where I where I just get a rush, like that list is going down, yahoo! Uh, and it's exciting to me, and, and so because of that, I, I've got to really stop and just choose slowness, choosing, you know, the good portion here, choosing to, to sit at the feet of the Lord and, and open the scriptures and, and be intentional about that. We're learning here to, to choose what is better, and that means... Seeking to be satisfied in Christ even if my list has to be postponed for a little while. And, and so we have to ask ourselves every, every morning, you know, what's it going to be today? Are we going to go, go, go like Martha and maybe slow down later on at some point? Or are we going to choose the, the good portion like Mary? Let me ask you just, just one more thing about this passage. What exactly... Did Jesus teach Mary as she was sitting at his feet? Do you you see it there? Do do you know? You're right, you, you don't know. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? Martha doesn't know because she wasn't there. Isn't that the point of why you're listening right now? Isn't that the point of being involved in your flock groups? Of quiet times and Scripture and your devotions and your Bible studies. Is, is, isn't that the point to actually hear what God has to teach us in His Word? In any given Sunday in this, this worship service, your, your pastor might misspeak. Uh, I know he does because my wife edits his sermons for the radio and she collects a blooper reel which... Uh, Tony doesn't love, we enjoy. Uh, You know, the organist might make mistakes. You haven't. Not that I've seen, but but it's possible. Your your Sunday school teachers might forget to bring something important for actually teaching the lesson. You you might find yourselves walking into the sanctuary every Sunday morning just, just worn out and exhausted. But but let us come each Sunday, and even if we are serving with the vigor of Martha, may we we seek to do so with the temperament of Mary, who sits down at the feet of the Lord and and is listening to whatever it is God has to teach her in that moment. Let us choose the good portion, which which can't be taken away, because we know that, that God is the rester and the refresher of his people. I'm going to close with some words from a Table Talk article that I read a while back. Uh, no idea who said it because unfortunately they don't always say who wrote things in there. It says this. It says, Fallen human beings need the weekly routine of listening which requires a halt of the questioning, philosophizing, and speculation we so often entertain. Mary, has, Mary was commended by the Lord because she chose what was best. She knew that when the Lord speaks, we are to listen, absorb, and delight in hearing His voice. There's a time and a place for discussing and asking questions about the Word of God. It it serves a real purpose, but frankly, it matters more what God has to say than what we have to say. Choose the good portion. Find the time to, to sit at the feet of the Lord here on Sunday mornings and in your lives throughout the week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us, and please teach us to sit at your feet as we open the scriptures that you've given us, that we might listen to what it is that's written there, to to put ourselves in in places where we hear your word expounded with genuine reverence for all that you are for us. As we ask at the opening, Lord, we We now ask at the closing, please change us in the ways that we need to be changed. Please silence our excuses for living at a pace we were not made to live at. May our lives be lived each and every day for your glory. Amen. Well, let us sing the hymn of response as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Hymn 642, verses 1 through 3.